Well, here we are then. A warm welcome back to the comfort of Wind Your Neck In for season two. Can't believe how fast season one went, but here we are. Thank you for starting the journey again with us, and we are delighted to be joined by you through this journey of high performance, real life stories, and a bit of banter with some amazing guests lined up. Before we get started, there are a few thank yous, which I I was a bit slack on getting out through season one. So firstly, you will have noticed before every episode, there's an amazing jingle that goes on. And the man to thank for that is the human cowhead himself, Ethan Waller. So I just want to say a quick thank you to Ethan for putting that together and making the intro and outro to the episodes so magical and special. Thank you, Beef. Secondly, if you're following us on, on any sort of social media platform, you'll realize halfway through season one, we jazzed up our social media. That's solely down to the work that Ryan Mills did in creating and organizing templates, banner heads to make us look, well, considerably more professional than we are. So thank you to Millsy for that. We appreciate all the effort that it took to put those together. And thank you very much, mate. And finally, to ASM Management, my representative company, opening doors and creating connections with some of massive names in the world of sports. So thank you for helping me develop away from rugby and giving me those introductions to some amazing people within sports. So as we move on to the first episode of Wind Your Neck In, we're going to produce this content and put it on YouTube. And secondly, it's going to go out on all podcasting platforms. So if you're having the pleasure of watching us on YouTube, you'll notice that the good man who's joined us today is, well, he's sporting quite a head of hair. And if you aren't watching on YouTube, it's Duncan Weir. So welcome, Donkey. Thank you so much for joining us today. Not a problem at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Donkey, you're obviously deep, deep, deep in the midst of, of camp with Scotland. And, and I suppose, first of all, it, we just need to ask how everything's gone in there. It's been a pretty, um, pretty intense couple of weeks as you've been preparing for games. And then you've obviously played a couple now. How's everything going in camp? Yeah, it's been good. Obviously, it's, um, it's strange times just now under the circumstances. And um, we're keeping our bubble as tight as we can with, with people just staying in the, the hotel for um, well, this stretch is going to be four weeks uh, solely in the hotel. Um, we're up at the the Orium, uh, is where we're based, just outside Edinburgh. So um, it's right beside Heriot Watt University. So there's not a great deal uh, going on. There's a nice 5k walk you can do, but the, to be fair, not many um, front rowers doing that, are there? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's actually pretty nice. Um, my sister came up with the the dogs. Uh, she's been looking after the dogs, so we went and done that the other week, and it was it was really nice. But um, just the, at the start of last week, there they've got a golf simulator built up. Ooh! Um, so boys You're have been playing the old course. Yeah, boys have been setting course records at the old <laughs> course, uh, and it's like they've got like you can set your distance of gimme putts because I don't think the putting's that accurate or whatever. So That's about boys 14 have been feet smashing for me, I think. Records. <laughs> <laughs> so boys have been smart. If it's on the green, it's a gimme. So uh, <laughs> no, boys have been loving that. Um, uh, Who are the yeah, good golfers, so, Dunk? Um, Apart from your good self, obviously we performed my well, yeah, it around, around Port Rush, which was, you know, three weeks later, it was the, the, the open course. So we enjoyed that. I dug some holes and you attacked some pins. Sure, McAnally's good. He's just got... Uh, a set of these fancy tailor-mades that are all just custom-built for himself. So um, he thinks he's a golfer, that's for sure. To be fair, I've not really been over that often. Um, I've, I've just been uh, tailoring my, my going back to the apartment to support Nicola and the kids, um, which is, uh, she's sadly in the trenches, battling a, <laughs> a war in both fronts at the minute. But um, yeah, no, it's... Um, it's been uh, it's been good in camp. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's always nice. Um 
for for me personally, just because I obviously I'm down in Worcester now, so I don't get the chance to catch up with guys as easy as um, it once was before when. I was based in Glasgow or Edinburgh, so it's uh, it's really nice to catch up with the guys. You know, one of the things I was keen to discuss was obviously this your bromance with Stuart Hoggs, quite well publicised. You've known each other for years and years and years, but is there, apart from, from Hoggy, I should call him Stuart, I don't know him, but apart from Hoggy, is there anyone in camp who you have enjoyed being able to reconnect with? Obviously, you see Koba every day, Cornell every day, mm-hmm. but those guys that you played with, because you played for both Scottish teams, um, you know, and we will get to, to that, who are the guys that you've really enjoyed reconnecting with? A lot of boys, to be fair. Oh, obviously, you know Rambo. So yeah. I'd speak to Rambo probably um, Stuart McNally every for month. anyone who, who doesn't know him as yeah. Rambo. So yeah, I'd speak to him every month or so on text, just ping him a, a message, see how he's doing. But it's probably the guys that you you have these strong relationships with, but you're just so busy like day to day. I'm hopeless keeping up with folk at times. Um, I know. I, I, live three, um, I live three to five miles away from you and getting a reply <laughs> on WhatsApp's a challenge. Um, but that's the part of the carnage of having uh, kids and all the rest of it. Like your priorities are just um, flipped on its head and you, you need to go and tile them out so they can, they can sleep. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so for me, Sean Maitland, uh, obviously spending a lot of time with him at Glasgow. Dunky Taylor's just came in a camp last week and he is yeah. just one of the best guys uh, within rugby. Yeah, just to name a few. Um, yeah, I'm sure I, there's I get on with, um, As you know, I'm, I'm quite a jolly character, so there's not many people. <laughs> well, at, at times I'm a jolly jolly character. I can have my moans when I want, but um, yeah, no, it's just nice to catch up with folk and yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a special, special time and I cherish it. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get into the into the depths of, of getting back into the Scotland camp. But I mean, firstly, I think it's been all over social media and anyone watching on YouTube here will see that you're sporting quite a head of hair. And I think it's important that we get to this sooner rather than later because you're not just in it for the crack. There's a real the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is, atta- <laughs> is attached to your skull. Um, and I think the work you're doing, I'm going to let you explain it now, but it's amazing. So can you just tell everybody what the cause is and we're going to get all the, the posts and pages that we need to get out there to hopefully get some more money on board? Yeah. Um, so I think it was probably the beginning to middle of lockdown and uh, obviously all the barbers closed and people are doing their own DIY haircuts and all the rest of it and, and I just came up with an idea saying oh well I may as well just let it grow for, in, until the rest of the year and see if I can raise some money for charity um, obviously being a professional sportsman you've got that that window of, of um, that TV um, window that people are going to watch you um, and you, you've got that profile that Hopefully you can get a bit of a uh, attention for that that chosen charity that you you choose. And I didn't know whether to do it, but to be fair, I, I can remember for the last say ten fifteen years, people have always said, "Just let your hair grow, like, just see how it what it <laughs> turns into, and just see the madness that it creates uh, on the top oh, of your head." Right. And it's yeah, no, it's um, once you get past that niggly stage, like I'm I'm pretty. Apart from um, going to uh, town on head and shoulders every other night of the, uh, <laughs> of the week, like I'm actually fine with it. It doesn't bother me anymore. It's almost a second pillow in bed as well now. It's, it's at a great stage. Um, Is your neck not out? No, your neck. <laughs> <laughs> but no, sorry. Um, I remember speaking to you a fair bit about it as well. And um, uh, I was going to do it initially for the NHS, but you've seen all these 5Ks and all the rest of it. And I, and I just thought, Maybe if I supported Acorn's uh, Kids Hospice, 
we've got such a strong relationship uh, with the Warriors, with them, and um, being a, a, a new father myself, um, it just kind of touched that soft spot in you, uh, in your heart. And yeah, it was an easy decision to go along with them. And uh, initially, I, I remember speaking to Mel, and I was like, "Oh, what, 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 what will I set my target? Like, I don't really know. Like, what am I expecting here?" And I thought I could do fairly well, but you you, you just don't know how generous people are going to be. And um, I remember setting the target at two grand, and then say four weeks in, you're setting it at four grand, <laughs> and it's just dominoing effect. And uh, at the start of last week, I, I think I was sitting just bef- just below kind of five and a half grand, uh, and we've, t- we've done this week, and it's it's just shy of twelve grand. Yeah, uh, and obviously just just being in the profile of, of playing international rugby has has been a great um uh helping factor uh to get to get it out there um but no uh, the it's kind of blown me away the support and uh that i've had um albeit people are having a good chuckle at it which is which is great um i mean this this year has been tough for a lot of people and charities businesses um you name it have, have, have a, has had a tough year so I mean, if they have a, a a chuckle every time you they see me on the screen and and, uh, and see the nick of me chucking, uh, run about the place, then I'm I'm well up for it. And yeah, I, I, once it got past that niggly stage where it's it's not long, but it's not it's it's not short, and it's it's just um it's just a bit itchy all the time. But yeah. no, no, it's it's lovely. It can't go any. It can't look any stronger. No, it is. It's an impressive. It's very, very impressive. And I, I kind of always thought it had the potential to go into full Afro mode, but it's, it's even, it's, it's exceeded my expectations. And I think, um, no, it's been brilliant, Duncan. I think as the as the ambassador for Worcester Warriors connected to Acorns, like I can't thank you enough because, um, you know, as you've mentioned, there's there's many different organisations, charities, um, struggling at the moment due to fundraising, which is where they make up, you know, eighty plus percent of their of their funds for the year, and and you just having a bit of crack um, at your own expense and trying to raise some money has just been unbelievable. So we're sitting just short of 12 grand. And I suppose the question is, if we can get you to 20, are you going up for another year? Oh. <laughs> I'm only joking. I don't know. See, I, don't, I'm I, really I honestly, um, I don't know what I'll do come January. Like, uh, I don't think I'm going to shave it off. I'm definitely not going uh, these high and tight haircuts that you're cutting about. Yeah. I think I'll just um, get it a little bit managed and just keep a little bit of the, the fuzz yeah. in it. But I, I think a big part of it was just when people have asked me, especially the boys from from up north of the border at Scotland camp, like, what what is Aircons? Like, what what is it? And then I, I explain what they do and, and how they help families. Um, and they're like, oh, my God, yeah, that's so worthwhile. Like, it's it's not... Um, yeah. It's, it's something that's really um, powerful, um, what they do and how they can help people. So it's uh, it's not just a wee, um, albeit piss take charity that might yep. be a friend of a friend and oh yeah, I'll get donated type thing. It's mm. it's going to a really strong cause and it's yep. um, yeah no, it's um, me seeing the the front hand like how grateful they are um, to me and and I'm not doing anything special. I'm just letting it grow. Like yeah. I get a hairband and I can still do my job. I can still play rugby and it's not annoying. Yeah. Me. Like it's yeah. it's not the biggest hassle on my behalf. So like it, it's just been so worthwhile uh, and and very um, rewarding just seeing that figure and, and how generous people have been. It's it's been class. 
Yeah, well, we're going to attach all the relevant pages um, to, to give people the opportunity to see and uh, donate if they feel that they want to. But, I mean, let, let's see if we can push that to, to 15 and then um, we'll readdress it any time after that, Donkey. But I think it's amazing and, and we really appreciate it. I suppose it's only relevant um, this week that we, if we're touching on acorns and the impact that it has, particularly in the Worcester community, uh, Worcestershire community, um, that we touch on, obviously, the sad news of Cecil uh, Duckworth passing away, who we know um, particularly well as the the original benefactor and, and, and sole driver of what Worcester Warriors has become. Have you any thoughts on on that? Have you had a chance to to touch base with anyone back in Worcester about that? No, it's, it's, it's just been a, a bit of a shock to the system. I remember the first time I met him uh, and I just thought he was an absolute gentleman. Uh, mm. What a guy, what a guy to be um, associated uh, with the club, just how passionate he was. And he actually, he went out of his way to come and introduce himself and he, he wanted to know about me, he wanted to know about my my family, um, if I was married, do I have kids, like where we're living. Like he took a real interest on, on me as a, as a person, uh, albeit we all knew uh, Worcester was his, uh, the Warriors was his, his first love. He loved his rugby, he loved connecting with the guys, but yeah, no, I, I had a, a real soft spot for him and, and just him taking the, the time out of his day. I always loved him rolling up in his Bentley and parking right yeah. outside the door. No <laughs> wonder. Like the guy's a legend. The guy's done so much for the club. But I'd, yeah. If that was me, I'd be doing the exact same parking Absolutely. right at the front door in that disabled space. And then, and I wouldn't be moving for anyone if they tried to move me. Like, um, um, nah, he just had such a great character about him. And um, yeah, it's it was real shocking news. But yeah, it's it's been amazing just seeing how many people that's reached out and, and and sent the, the, the messages to the family and uh, it just shows you how good a, a guy and, and, and what a gentleman he was. Yeah, absolutely. His legacy is unbelievable, Donkey. Not just with the Warriors, his legacy in the Worcester community um, with things like Acorns, his relationship with the Worcestershire Cricket Club um, and just outside of that, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. He was very personable and, and very humble um, but always spent time trying to get to know people who were involved in, in the organisations that he was helping or, or, or um, involved in so our thoughts are with the Duckworth family no doubt about it and and um, hopefully we can give him a proper send off this weekend and uh, in any way we can in relation to the, the funeral that's coming in the next couple of days so uh, yeah th- thoughts with the Duckworth family and I suppose Donkey we've covered the hair we've covered the kind of um, the, the, the elephant in the skull as, as you mentioned and I think it's probably only fair that we kind of give some context to the people um, as to you know how we know each other really because mm-hmm. um, we met many 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 moons ago and do you want to get the second elephant out of the room because I mean everybody needs to know circa 2010 2011 um, whenever my Irish 20s team gave your Scottish 20s team an absolute spanking do we want to talk about that? Nah what's the next topic? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, I mean, I think uh, it deserves. I it remember deserves. it well. I remember it well. It was um, obviously we uh, we both know um, Lecky and Paddy Robinson. Um, yeah, good good guys um, that you went to school with, and you were really close. And then they came over and played club rugby in Glasgow uh, alongside me. So they uh, they gave me the old um, touch on the shoulder, but oh, like, make sure you go and say hello to Niall and. And and he's a good lad, trust me, and blah blah blah. Uh, and I remember, was it the captain's lunch for the twenties? Yeah. Uh, and no one else it. was like speaking to each other, but me and you were just gabbing nonsense for the whole two hours. 
long procedure um, that, that would have been absolute torture if it wasn't for um, yeah. making a new pal. And yeah, no, it was. Um, uh, it's been from there. I've actually got your jersey still. Remember we swapped yeah. jerseys post match. Yeah, I've yeah, got that yeah. stuck away in my yours. bag. Well, I asked you, and you said, "Oh, I don't know." <laughs> So don't, yeah, don't I, you I, be coming on your podcast and saying, "Oh yeah, I've got it in my, my man, I've got it in Belfast." In the drawer up the stairs because it's in, it's nonsense. In, it's in Belfast, mate. I can tell you exactly. It's in my my mum's house. It's in my mum's house, and it's in the wardrobe in the uh, in the spare room, guaranteed. It's a it's about it, well, Gu- what is it? Guaranteed on, under under fourteens boys or what? Well, just the the, the the last time I mentioned it to you. You were like, I think I've got it. And you were like scratching your head. And now you're coming on your big fancy podcast (laughs) and you're telling me that it's in your mum's cupboard up the loft and all the rest. It's in my mum's cupboard, mate. It's in the mum's cupboard. The viewers can see through you. The viewers can see through you. They can't see anything on a podcast, mate. (laughs) No, no, it it is. I cherish that. It's it's very important to have that. I enjoy the whole swapping jerseys and I haven't done it enough throughout my career. It's one of my main regrets. I have about... Uh, 10 Worcester jerseys that sit um, some of them are really special and some of them are just season, seasonal jerseys and I wish I would I would have done that more yeah no it was um, it's, a, it's a funny old thing that who would have thought what was that 10, 10 11 years ago yeah uh, and we'd be sitting here chatting on a podcast um, <sighs> and, and we'd still be talking about these memories and um, no, we're, we're um, I'm very grateful that we've we've got the past memories that make a relationship strong and, and all it. the rest of it. That's it, Donkey. So I suppose you know I remember playing against you at that age, and and like even then I remember there being quite a bit of media attention about you being earmarked as a future future international, and like it was only you know it was two years later I think that you made your Scotland A cap, and the year after that that you made your your full Scottish cap. But the year after we played twenties, you know, in that two thousand and ten year, it could even have been the same year. You'd actually already started playing for Glasgow, which was like you know at twenties level. Um, as an out half, it's quite a big deal. Like you were earmarked very early as someone who was going to go, you know, into the into the, the professional game as a full time professional at club rugby and an international. Do you remember pressure that you felt at that age, or was it just pure excitement? Probably at that stage, I was just trying to soak it up. Like like you say, um, I got I done my ACL medial and something else in my knee when I was um, seventeen. Um, yep. And that was like, or was I sixteen? Uh, no, I was seventeen. 17, and, um, yeah. and like that was like my first opportunity to really have a good go at uh, senior rugby, and that that just knocked me out. It was a season I done it playing for the Scottish uh, academy side at the Selkirk Sevens the week before the season started. So I'd done a whole summer, and um, to be honest, I have no idea. Like, I was getting like two trains on crutches to get physio. Yeah, like imagine, imagine telling that to some of the boys now. Like they'd be like, "What? Uh, where's my like, valet? Where's my chauffeur?" Yeah, and it was like through Glasgow City Centre. I was going, so it was up and down like uh, Central <laughs> Station. Like, but at the time, you're just like, I was like, something comes over you, and you're just so driven to mm. to get back fit and and play rugby. Um, and I made a quite a I got a wee bit of grief to be fair off my, my club canvas line so um, I'd only played like when I first t- turned 16 I played like maybe five games for the senior side before that injury before the, the following season mm. and um, I, I was really grateful I had a, a great academy uh, manager in my region called Jamie Dempsey who 
was just going to Hawks and he was itching for me to go along to Hawks and um, the 20s coach um, at the time, Peter Wright, was a head coach there as well. So they, they, those guys, and, and I had West of Scotland who were John Beattie, um, Johnny Beattie's dad. Yeah. Um, he was coaching them and he was saying, oh, come up to us and all the rest of it. And it was a, it was pretty big rivalry at the time, Hawks and West. And I had this, I had played no rugby and I, and I, and I just went, they had the, Hawks had literally, they, they had the, the, the on-form Scotland under-20s 10 in their camp, and he had a small injury when I was, um, uh, during that summer, and they were, I made the decision, I was like, I'm just going to jump two-footed and just go and give this a crack, and, they, yeah. and I was playing in like the Premiership uh, within Scotland, so it was a top flight of club rugby, uh, and I managed to, to get in there and, and, and get a run of games, and yeah, I loved it, I had a uh, a great season. I made a lot of friends. Um, obviously, Paddy and Lecky and that being in them uh, in that environment as well. And uh, I was really fortunate at a young age that um, the opportunity came up at Glasgow, and, and Sean Lee believed in me of of signing me um, because Dan Parks left Glasgow. He went down to Cardiff, and and there was an opportunity. Uh, and yeah, no, I'm I'm very grateful that Sean saw the faith in me. Um, oh. So I went, I went a full season at Hawks. Uh, after my knee and then I'd done a 20s year that year and then my first pro season and then I come against your uh, beetroot face in <laughs> Italy sunburnt as hell and honestly my body was I remember like I couldn't train but obviously the the, the IRB um, under 20s is like five it's games mental. in the space it's like stupid how many games for young boys absolutely mental and I remember like after game two I couldn't train so like game one, I've got I've still got a scar from the, the big South African number eight. Couldn't train after that. Like Mate, that's uh, you in a normal week. I don't see you till Thursday. <laughs> Aye, come on you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, uh, um it all really happened quite fast. Um and I, I just had that determination. Like uh, I remember training more football back in the day and it must have been twelve or thirteen and, and just a flick went in my head and I remember mm. training it was like just a fitness drill it wasn't like anything technical with the ball or anything and I seen boys like jogging about and not taking it that um, kind of half arsed and I just remember then I'm I'm, I'm going to train full out I'm going to give it my best crack of the whip and uh, from then on um, yeah I, I just had a hunger to, to be successful in sport um, it was always a a great avenue of of um, I've just enjoying myself when I was young, from a young age. So, yeah, no, I was very fortunate that the opportunity came at, at, up at Glasgow when Parksy left and I managed to go in there and and have a reasonable, reasonable start to my pro, professional rugby career. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the Glasgow opportunity and the time you spent there, we're going to cover next. I think it's important to touch base on your, your early years, though, because you were massively, in, you're massively into your football, a huge Rangers supporter. Surely there was a point at which... Or were you not good enough to try and pursue that career in football? Because I know you played at a decent underage level. Um, yeah. At what point did you have to make that decision? And, <laughs> you know, why didn't you pick a football, mate? <laughs> I know. I know. My spine tells me that every day. Um, <laughs> after an 80 minutes performance and tackling boys twice my size. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think... Um, so I'd done a, the rounds of a few um, SPL clubs and their youth setups, and um, I finished off my last year was at Celtic, and I signed a two-year deal. Albeit my my grandpa grew up in Govan in the shipyard, so he gave me Rangers boxer shorts to wear underneath my Celtic <laughs> kit yeah. until they washed out. 
true story, literally. Yeah. He, it was a Rangers, Rangers pair of tartan trous, uh, boxers, I remember. <laughs> and um, and I, I had signed a two-year, sorry, and this was when I was uh, under 15. But at, the, at that stage, the following year, you jump up to under-17s at football for some reason. And everyone, you could leave school at 16, so there was boys like full-time, and I had to be competing against them. And I was like... I don't know if I, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it the way I should have enjoyed it. Like um, we had a, a new um, coach that was his biggest gig at the time to get this Celtic job in the under fifteens, uh, and he put, to be fair, a lot of pressure on us as young boys. And I remember just not enjoying it the same mm. as um, I was previously at Kilmarnock and uh, I'd little stints uh, uh, with other clubs, but I really enjoyed my time at Kilmarnock. Um, we had a great bunch of guys, a great, great um, coaching staff, and we, we did actually, we punished above our weight. We had a, a lot of good footballers that went on and had uh, good careers at that club. And I remember, like, playing for Celtic was amazing. It was amazing having that um, title um, of, of being a, a member of one of the biggest teams in, in Scotland. But, yeah, no, it, it just came, came at a point that I just was, uh, I didn't enjoy it the same way as what I had done uh, in previous years. And I thought, if I'm going to give rugby a shot, then this is the, like my last years of, of doing it. And then um, a lot of kind of district pathway stuff kicks off at under 16 level. And, yeah, um, it gets very remember, serious, doesn't it? I remember um, I used to take, um, there used to be a school trial and then a club trial. And I used to take the afternoon off school for the school trial, for, like, <laughs> From S1 all the way up to, and I think this was like S4 at the time, under 16s maybe. And I remember turning up to this trial and all the, the scouts came over and were like, no, you always come, you always get selected, we always rant and rave, but you, t- you take the afternoon off school, you come, <laughs> you do well in the game and you never come back. So no, you're not even playing the day. And I was like, <laughs> I'm genuinely being serious. I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm going to play rugby this year. And they're like, nah, you're just here for the afternoon off school. <laughs> and to be fair, I probably would have just jinxed my way in and, and, and called a bluff. But to be fair, um, yeah, no, I, I played that day. And yeah, I managed to, to go through all the, the pathway stuff. And I represented Scotland under 17s uh, against Wales. First game was down in Millfield in, a, in the school cup. And it started from there. Yeah, so I mean, you know, the, the context is, is really clear that there's a decision made at, at that point that rugby is going to be your future and your attempted career. And I think, you know, you, you kind of skip forward all those years. I can see it in you now, even when you train, even when I watch the game at the weekend against Italy, like your your effort and energy levels are always so high. And obviously when that switch flicked, yeah. when that switch flicked, you obviously, you know, decided that you were going to be doing everything at a hundred percent of your effort. There was no slacking and no time wasting. And that's very evident from someone who trains with you on a daily basis. I mean, you skip forward to, to that introduction into the Glasgow team and at such a young age and having, I mean, in your first season, I think you were second uh, point scorer in the pro 14 or whatever the equivalent, the pro 12 at the time, I think mm-hmm. it was, I mean, you, you've come on to the, the, the club season with a massive bang. Um, those years at Glasgow, being a Glasgow boy must be very, very special to you. Can you reflect on them? And I have this image of you dandering around the West End thinking you're Billy Big Bulls. Is that, is that fair enough? I was definitely not in the West End at that point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was, um, 
Yeah, it was something that you're just kind of like you played for your local team at Ulster. Like, yeah, you kind of have to p- pinch yourself at times. Like, I went from being a mini rugby player playing at half time on the pitch to then going and watching to then getting the chance to play. Um, and I remember the first couple of appearances and just kind of pinching yourself. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm here, I'm here. So getting those um, first couple of caps under your belt, it just makes you realise how much you want it. Uh, and that like that that, that button, uh, the, the flick of the, the switch is, is firmly cemented down. You've got the sellotape over it and you're, you're not <laughs> taking it off. Um, yeah. It's on autopilot from now on. And um, yeah, it's um, at that stage of my career, if you had told me that I would have two years at Glasgow and, and that would be it, I'd, I'd have been more than happy with that like um i definitely um was was just living the uh, uh, my dream at that stage i didn't see it as work i didn't see it as a job i'd, I'd just seen it as as a, as a young boy playing rugby and, and and just in the in the best place possible doing that for your local professional side yeah and i think whilst you're doing that you're kind of you're starting to not as you move through the years at glasgow you're starting to notch up these scotland caps and then there becomes this this kind of key swivel point within your career where I'm keen to discuss the 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 move that takes you from Glasgow to Edinburgh. Now there's only two professional rugby teams in Scotland now, you know, with the borders being taken out and um whatever. And you could actually argue that there's definitely a need for another Scottish professional team to be to be in there. That that moment in which the conversation starts that you're saying, you know, maybe you need to go and look at him more regularly at Edinburgh. How how does that feel? How do you take that in the chin and and what were your intentions when you were on your way to Edinburgh? Uh, I was broken hearted. So I managed, I always had great competition at Glasgow. So I'm, I, I don't mind saying it because I'm good mates with everyone that I've played alongside. So Rudy Jackson's one of my closest friends. Mm. So me and him were battling, yeah, battling away for say four years or so. And I managed to tip him uh, and I got signed and he got released. Uh, or well, there wasn't a, a deal for him and he, he had to look elsewhere. Yeah, and then Finn comes comes along, and, and Finn's horizontal. And I, at that stage, I was probably um, I spoke last week in the press about it. Like I was probably a wee bit too intense. Like I like I needed perfection, perfection in my preparation, perfection during the game. Like I needed everything to go by the 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 kind of the finest little bullet point and the the full stop and all, like. Everything had to be perfect, um, yeah. and that was probably one of my downfalls at early rugby. Um, I, I couldn't get over mistakes. I couldn't really bounce back for things the same way. And then I look at Finn, and he's he's juggling tennis balls over <laughs> in the corner, or he's he's laughing. And, and do you know what I mean? Like it was just the polar opposite. And 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 it took me a while to get over um, of. of to get over that, to be fair, um, Finn coming in and, and taking my place at Glasgow, like um, I'd, I'd be sitting on the bench and getting 15, 20 minutes here and there, and, and I'd be looking to pull a rabbit out of the hat every week, and I'd just be shooting myself in the foot um, time and time again. And it came, um, it came literally really early on uh, the, the conversations with Edinburgh, and um, albeit I had a few conversations with other clubs at the time as well, but. Uh, Scott Johnson, the director of, of rugby at, the, at Scottish Rugby at the time, he said, "Oh, what would you feel about coming across and, and being the starter here at Edinburgh?" <laughs> and my first reaction was, "Fuck off!" 
honestly, I said that to him, like face to face. I was like, nah, I'm Glasgow. Like, I'm Glasgow. Like, and like the 1872 Cup, the, the derby up there was big at this stage. Yeah, like, it, it was, still is. Yeah, it was a feisty affair. Like mm. it was fights most games, and like it was big, big games around the festive period. It's a bit <laughs> like to be fair, it was. It's a bit different now. Like the guys know each other so well and all the rest. Of oh, it. okay. But, like that, it's still heated, but it's just not the same way as as what I first remember it. It's more heated um, in relation to competition for places for Scotland rather than yeah, this kind probably. of t- territorial. Yeah, because yeah. Glasgow and Edinburgh, like you, they, they don't like each other. It's just one of these things. It's just <laughs> you don't need like, to explain that to me, mate. You know I'm from Northern Ireland, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so. um yeah, no, um, when he first mentioned it to me, I, I literally told him to fuck off in his face. No, that's never happening. And then it slowly kind of digested. I was like, actually, look, this could be a really good move for my career. Um, uh, and we started to move things along. And, and um, I remember, um, I don't know if I wasn't selected or I was injured for the first 1872 game, but I started mm. the following week in Edinburgh. And I'd already signed that week. Like it, it happened really quickly, like, and I didn't know. Like, it was weird because some of the Edinburgh boys, like, kind of knew, like, they were like yeah. the end of the game handshakes. They were like, <laughs> and I, I like winking at me and stuff. And I'm like, how did, how did, how did I do know? Yeah, nothing's ever a secret, mate. Like, I've told no one. Like, I've maybe mm-hmm. told like close friends, and that's it. Yeah. Um. So, like, the decision was really good for my rugby career. Like, it, it took me a while to accept that and see that and, and just take away the the pride and all the emotion that I had um, connected with Glasgow because it's, it's still so much inside me. But as a pure rugby decision uh, and, and being a professional rugby player, it was the, it was the right move at the, the right time for me. And, uh, yeah, it was just a shame that um, on the rugby side of things, Life in Edinburgh was just a bit um, prone to injuries, but to be fair, our personal lives, me and Nick, uh, my wife, we absolutely loved living in Edinburgh. We had Edinburgh the time of our an lives. Place. Arguably, the, the happiest we've ever been as a couple. Like we rekindled some amazing friendships um, uh, of people that we knew from age grade rugby through there, yeah. and um, people that we probably hadn't spent enough time with, uh, and we're so so close to them. Like. Um, when we come up north, uh, any time time off, we 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 pretty much split our time Glasgow and Edinburgh because we yeah. we've got so um, close friends up there. Um, so it's um, off the field Edinburgh. We we I didn't know the city at all. I grew to love it. It was um, we we had we had an apartment in town and uh, everything was in walking distance and things like the Fringe Festival, which I hadn't been at before, Class. and the Christmas markets. It's it's honestly one of the most ridiculous places to live. Um, I mean, if it had a better climate, I'm, I'm sure um, a lot more people uh, would be would, would choose to live in Edinburgh. I'm sure uh, from all over the world. So um, on a on a personal note, me and Nick couldn't be happier in Edinburgh. And unfortunately, rugby side of things, uh, a few injuries um, uh, hiccuped my my Edinburgh career. But I was happy that I finished it on a high. Like once everything I got back fit, I, I finished it on a real high and. I almost um, proved to people that I could still play um, if, if anyone had doubted me. Uh, yeah. And then obviously uh, there I was um, coming down the, the M6 and M5 to, to Worcester. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the, that period at Edinburgh, because I know you personally so well, and I remember the, the time that you were sent on loan to Worcester and then you were back to Edinburgh and we'll get to that. But I think the Edinburgh period is really tough for you because we're going to get to the injuries a little bit later and how that affected, but it didn't allow you to go and you've made this massive decision to move from your boyhood club to the effectively a rival club and you haven't been able to output the product that you want to in order to accelerate your career internationally as you wanted to, which was the main reason for you moving to Edinburgh. And that must have been deeply frustrating for you. It must have, you know, at that that point, are you thinking I'm done with rugby? I just can't get my body going or or what was going through your head? So the first season, um, I broke my jaw. Um, It was actually Solly's last game in charge of Edinburgh at the time. Mm. Uh, And it was away in Munster and I had an uncontested scrum against CJ Stander on five metres out. All the best. So I've, I've flown at him and I've chucked my body in, in, uh, in front of him and he's headed my jaw and just fractured my jaw. So that took me out for like two months and then I'm, I think I, man- I managed to get back fit again and I got, got selected for Scotland and I was on the bench for the, all of the Six Nations. I came on, uh, to be fair, it was a, probably a, a, a big moment uh, in my Scotland career. I, I came off the bench for a HIA when Finn went off against Ireland yeah, and I put in a, a lovely touch finder over Simon Zebo's head and it was a one bouncing out like they kind of kicked it get me going um, and it was it, it just that I think from that moment that cemented my place on the bench uh, for the rest because I know like he could have went other directions and, and had other cover so um, just that one moment like that kick that one moment cemented my place in that Six Nations Um side on the bench anyway for the remainder of that and then I come off the bench at 15 against England away from home for 35 minutes and that's the end of that story uh, <laughs> and I got and I got 10 minutes off the bench in the last game um, against Italy and I nothing really we were kind of Edinburgh was, was struggling I couldn't even get back in the Edinburgh side at times at the end of that season um, and then Cockers came over uh, and I basically just pushed my body to to try and impress him. I was picking up a groin niggle. Uh, it was just escalating. I was still playing. He, he said, look, you're my starter. You're my number one. Um, and I played, I think it was like the first seven or eight games of the season. And my yeah. body was just like, I should have listened to it. Like, it was, it was so stupid of me now in hindsight, but I was just not respecting. Hindsight's 2020 the, though, Donkey. Yeah, and I was just pushing myself and I ended up, um, I had a, a slight tear in my, my left adductor and I went down and seen specialists uh, in England um, and then I came back up and got a, a steroid injection in my pubic synthesis. Yeah. And from that, an infection grew uh, and it literally just wasted everything in my lower body. And, like, Not much to waste ones. anyway. I did have a big arse before that. <laughs> Nicola will tell you, like, my arse is half the size now. The glutes, um, and, I, and and like she she was um she was amazing at that period of time because I'd be I lived in a puddle of sweat for two two weeks straight I think or two and a half weeks, um I'd wake up from a nap and I'd be like starving. She'd go and make me a cup of tea and a slice of toast, and by the time she'd done that, I'd be like passed out again. So I'd just be constantly waking up to cold toast and cold tea because she'd get fed up. Fed, fed up I'm not making you another one. I'm not making you another one. Yeah. And um, oh, it was, I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, 
it was a, the strangest period of, of of an injury. Like it's not like you can't just put your finger on it. And eventually got like blood testing, which ended up being like twice a week at, um, after this. But like my my white blood cells or my red, whatever the one with an infection, it was like it was a ridiculous amount over. It was like say I don't know five six times. The difference, uh, and I went on antibiotics for like four months, and slowly but surely, the the, the count um, just came down, and I I managed to to get back to to some sort of of, of healthiness. And but it, this was like a, quite a stressful period of time because Cocker's heart was happy with me, um, and we we pretty much um, agreed to to stay in Edinburgh. And we sold our flat. We were going to buy a, a house in South Queensbury. And for you, it's like 45 minutes to Glasgow from there or, mm-hmm. or 25, 30 minutes into the centre of Edinburgh. So it's a p- right perfect happy medium ground for yeah. for starting a family, that's, which we were kind of looking to do. And, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, it's off the table. And then uh, that that was kind of part of the reason, reason why I was pushing to get down and uh, to play at Worcester uh, on loan yeah. because... I knew I had no future at, at, at Edinburgh, and um, uh, you know what it's like being a Celtic player going down uh, and, and playing in the Premiership and, and holding your own down there. It's uh, it stands for uh, a lot with Premiership clubs if you can hold your own down there. Um, so that was my thought process, and yeah, I was itching to come down to Worcester and, and get a run of games. But yeah, after a week, I, I, I had to um, pack up a, a transit van and, and move. <laughs> Move everything back down. I literally, uh, my car was down in Worcester. Um, I remember for like five weeks or something like that, until we yeah. played the Dragons away from home. And from the kit man, actually, we flew down, got the bus mm-hmm. from Bristol to Newport. We um, checked in at the hotel, had dinner, and then the kit man drove me to Worcester. I picked up my car, went back. The team manager drove it to the game, and then post game, uh, I came off the bench that night, and then after the game. I drove from there to Glasgow and then the following day I had my niece's um, birthday party the following day and I'm an absolute zombie getting in at like half three in the morning. But And you're spying. Oh, crazy. You're, you're back absolutely in bits. But I think, you know, before we move on to the Worcester experience, because it's been, it's been hugely beneficial for you because you've stayed in Drew Touchwood and you've played some really good rugby, smashed a load of points uh, for us and, and reignited your Scotland career. But I'm keen to just discuss that the intensity that you talk about when you were at Glasgow tying in with the potential for you to be overtraining um, and pushing your body in desperation to be performing. You've pushed your body to the place where it's kind of starting to give up on you. You know, it, have you learned lessons from those periods where your, your intensities caused you to overtrain? Um, because I now see you've got, you've got a really kind of slick and smooth routine in terms of how you goal kick, how you do your little extras and stuff, but you've had to develop that over time. Yeah, no, it's probably... I came away from that the the whole episode at Edinburgh with just like respect the little niggles because if you don't then they just kind of domino effect up and it just becomes a bigger problem and a bigger problem and then yeah all of a sudden you're out for a period of time instead of just kind of listen to your body like and now uh, I've I've got my own routine um I know Johan just lets me do my own thing half the time in the gym because <laughs> I just I just know what kind of works for yeah. what I need to get done uh, and it's not a, a case of me being lazy and just wanting to do my own stuff in the gym. No, you've and, got your you've got your stuff um, that you know can get so you into yeah. a position where you need to perform. So exactly. Um 
so yeah, no, I've just kind of stuck by that ever since. And yeah, no, I've I've um I've actually body's been in good shape since I've I've moved into Worcester. Um, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, no, that was probably the biggest learning from that episode. Albeit again, I was so keen to to obviously Cockers as a kind of alpha male, like very dominant um character leader. Uh, and I wanted to rise to that challenge and prove them that my worst type thing, and, and ultimately, I, I probably paid the the, the the sacrifice of that of of trying to do too much and, and not really listen to my body. Yeah, well, I think you learn these things, and like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. But you develop the ability to to put into place these procedures, these 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 um, routines that get you to playing good rugby. And there's no doubt about it. That move to Worcester, mate. Like it's been, you know, I was doing some research here, and like you're sitting third overall point scorer um, in the Premiership for Worcester of all time. And I think whilst Worcester have been relatively newly promoted um, into the professional era through, through the work that Cecil did, as we discussed earlier, I think like you're sitting, you're only sitting 20 points away from Andy Good, who is hailed as like one of the best you have done it for Worcester. And you're, and you know, depending on what happens in, in future contracts, you're certainly within touching distance of going on to be the top point scorer um, that Worcester's ever had, which is testament to the rugby you've played and the faith that Solly's put in you to go and back you uh, regularly and give you that game time that you've so desired to get yourself back into that international game. So would you have to, would you consider that on the whole, the move to Worcester's been a successful one on and off the pitch? Yeah, no, massively. To be honest, I didn't really know what I was, I was coming to. I didn't really um, know too much about the club and, and the history of the place but um, yeah once I stepped through the door and I seen uh, obviously firstly the the facility I was like oh goodness it's yeah I, I've, I've found a good spot here I can I, I feel like I can develop and, and, and make sure I'm athletically uh, in, in a great place and then obviously um, rugby can can hopefully take care of itself and I probably um, just tried to enjoy myself when I when I came down as well Um Again, taking the learnings from from the, those early uh, twenty years that of getting kind of uh, pushed for place and all the rest of it, like just I feel like I play my my best rugby when I'm relaxed and I'm enjoying it, um, and that's not taken away from my preparation side and leading the team and all the rest of it, all that nonsense that comes uh, under that. But literally just on the field, just trying to enjoy it a wee bit more and not getting hung up on things. Um, which is hard at times, obviously, being a, 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 a driven person to win and, and, and compete, but um, ultimately, um, yeah, just relaxing a wee bit um, yeah. is, is, is probably been the main focus point and, and probably the most successful one mentally anyway to get, a, to get the performance. Absolutely. And I think, you know, do you feel like on reflection, you know, we all go through uh, we all go through periods in our lives where resilience is really important. Um, I can relate to that a huge amount. In terms of what you had to battle through, moving away from Glasgow and being told to go to Edinburgh, your initial reaction, and then finally getting your head around that that period being ruined and blighted through injury and potentially overtraining with the intent to produce the goods, and then you move to Worcester and, and someone backs you, you, you bang out you know four hundred and thirty points in all competitions. 
top quality performances that, that drag a team who are, who've always been desperate for an out and out, um, first of all, an out and out goal kicker. I've been here seven years, I can say that. And then there's this opportunity to go back into Scotland camp. Have you, have you given yourself a chance to reflect on it or are you very much just staying in the moment because process produces a good outcome? Um, or have you had a moment where you're sitting with Nick and the two kids going like, like all the hard work, all the sacrifice, all the trips up and down the M5 where your spine's compressing, it, it's, it's, it's been worth it and you can give yourself a small tap on the shoulder? Yeah, I mean, uh, I got a big release um, on that France uh, cap, even though it was um, for two minutes um, before the, the shutdown of um, coronavirus hit. Um, yeah. Those two minute, minutes meant the world to me. Like, getting Emily on the pitch and doing a lap I was on just going to say. With, a, with, a wee, with my daughter, it was just the, the best. There's a great ever. picture of that, Dunkey. There's um, one, I'm sure you've seen it, but the picture of you mm-hmm. and Emily on the pitch afterwards, like someone who's your good yeah. mate ears, like I was just bursting with pride because I, could, yeah. you, I knew how much it meant to you. And I knew, like, even just now, like I'm fully aware that Finn obviously had his episode uh, Six Nations that gave me a, a chance to, to, to step into the squad and... Um, it felt different coming into camp this time because I was here from the start. Um, mm-hmm. Gregor was happy with me. He's um, he's been really happy with what I'm I'm doing at Worcester. So I felt almost more involved. Now it didn't take someone to to do something for me to get called in and and, and maybe run the the opposition plays for that week and then maybe hoping for a chance to come. Um, yeah. it, it did feel different, and I know I'm very for. Oh, it's. I've actually been given the the license to 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 start of the weekend because Finn unfortunately got injured and, and so did Adam, um, who both are fantastic rugby players and yeah, um, they've done such a great job for Scotland over the years. But um, I definitely felt a massive release on that that French day. Like it, it gave me a lot of motivations to to go out and train during lockdown. Like the last time, I just kept telling tell myself, the last time I laced up my boots was for Scotland at Murrayfield. Like, I want to do that again. Like, I'm driven yeah. to do that again. Like, that was an amazing day. And people might look if you get these um, keyboard warriors and be like, oh, I've got two minutes off the bench. But honestly, that those two minutes felt just as good as my first gap. Or... Yeah the drop goal in Italy or the kick in the, the winning penalty in Argentina away from home for a, for a test. Go on, like, keep, keep, keep rolling them off, mate. There's, there's a couple still, of them. But like, those are like massive highs that any other yeah. person would be like, oh, that, I can tell you, like, I could tell you what your high was for Scotland, but when I say two minutes against off the bench, like it was a, it was a long three three years. Um, it's vindication and, for all the work that you had to do and the sacrifice. That, that yeah, that's my point. You know, the resilience. Fair, I'd, I'd do it all again for the, for those two minutes. I'd honestly, I, I said that straight after. I was, I'd, I'd have done it all again because it's such an amazing feeling having your your friends and family like uh, at Murrayfield when you're when you're on that pitch. Like there's no there's no feeling that comes close to it. Um, yeah. And that day we won as well, which was great. Um, two minutes on the pitch and one turnover, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> no big deal. The right. jackal and ten. Um, so uh, I suppose, go ahead. No, I, I was just joking. I was they done like a Six Nation Defender of the the um, <laughs> tournament award, and I went out to the defence coach and I was like, "You remember those two minutes? Like that ratio of one turnover and two minutes? Like, that's pretty good." 
Like, do I have a chance of winning? Just like, <laughs> take, obviously, just taking the piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to get a chuckle, but. I think um, so. You move to the the current day, and obviously we're we're only you know four or five days post the the Italy game, and you get your first start in a long time. And like it's a it's I've watched the game um, a couple of times, and it's physical game. So I haven't had a chance to break down and review that and getting your first start and performance denied a try as well. How do you how do you reflect on that as a whole? It was a tough old game. Early did um, make it hard for us to, to get any rhythm into the game, especially that first half. Like, mm. um, Obviously, they were so physical around the breakdown, but our set-piece didn't really function uh, as best as it could do. And obviously, a few rest decisions going against their way, and it just became the Italians just having a lot of momentum. But to be fair, we we always um, we always knew that they were they were going to be uh, a tough opponent. I think um, Gregor showed a screenshot of their scores, like with twenty minutes to go in their last three games, and they're like one score games. Like yeah. they are a nitty gritty side, and uh, we knew it was going to take a lot of patience um, and kind of a, a lot of effort to to get the job done. And yeah, that second half performance was was um, was was great that we got things clicking. Albeit it wasn't our, our best performance, um, and we're still looking to improve. Um, but it was it was just great to to um, find a way to win in a Scotland jersey when quite easily in the past um, those games might might have slipped past us. And um, no, it's five wins on the bounce uh, for the squad. So uh, boys are in a, in a good place. Yeah, so it's like I mean, we can we can take a little bit of time to delve into this a little bit more because your job out half, like your job, is based around um, manufacturing opportunities to go and win games, even whenever momentum's against you. And I think the game against Italy seemed like the perfect example of a game where like it could easily get away with you because things just aren't going right for you, aren't going right for you. And then your job as an out half is um, obviously to kick points and stuff, but it's to to try and shift that momentum. So. Your set piece, your scrum is is being dismantled at times. You're you're struggling to, to keep your own ball. Like you said, there's a few referees' decisions around the breakdown um, with interpretation in the Six Nations. That's always the case. How do you go about on that pitch problem solving to get that momentum in your favour? Knowing that in the set tail end of the second half, you don't need to panic. You can you can you'll get the turn of the tide. Yeah, our messages were pretty clear. Just stay patient. It's going to click. Like it's, we're going to have our or swinging momentum, just stay stay in the moment, stay um, stay present, and just making sure that your next job's a, a good one, whatever action it was, or um, if it's to kick a uh, kick chase off a kickoff, then you're you're getting a high speed effort. The Gregor's um, really uh, fine tunes details in every aspect of our game, so um, like the learnings there, like we know we know our jobs, we know our. Uh, where we need our role within the team uh, every opportunity basically so we're really fortunate that albeit a lot of things kind of swung against us um, and, I, and to be fair I see a few boys like kind of um, not not stress and panic but like just kind of pinch them just say look it'll come just stay yeah. in it and, and to be fair we we did get um, had a few words at half time and, and changed a few tactical um things in our game and and we reaped the benefits of that we we kept the ball a wee bit more um, instead of playing a kick tennis kind of game and, and uh, trying not to blink first in a kick tennis battle uh, to then maybe running the ball back and getting into a counter attack shape and getting touches on the ball and, yeah. and moving the Italians around that way um, so we, we did 
change a few things at half time that ultimately um, got us kind of playing a wee bit better and, and more the, the Scottish way. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, as as your old mate Ali McCoy said on Instagram as well, you were hard done not to have a try. Yeah, no, it's um, it's a shame it went forward, but it could have been a, the icing on the cake on a, on a successful win uh, over in Italy. But um, yeah, I'll take the win any day of the week. Um, if I create a try, then I'm almost just as happy as, as scoring, getting on the score sheet myself. Lovely. Well, we're looking forward um, as we're running up here. Last question, just based around France this week. Obviously, um, we were talking off air. There's some some issues around the Fiji camp and some COVID testing issues, um, which means this this fixture is going to be even more important because there's going to be potentially one team less in the competition. Um, we'll see what happens with that, but. This game against France, how what sort of things are we looking to try and implement as the Scottish team, um, and what sort of performance are we looking to put out there? I say we as if I'm well, part of it, just on, on your behalf. No, no, quite right. Not. We, um, um, I think, um, I think the the French team are going to come over here uh, with a, a real purpose to win. Um, they've won one test. They've lost one test match. Since the World Cup, and it was um, it was at Scotland uh, at Murrayfield um, just yeah. before lockdown. So we know they're going to come with full intentions to 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 kind of come physically dominate us because they're they're, they're a huge um, pack and they've got such powerful um, players in the backline as well. So um, albeit the weather up here today is absolutely disgusting, so that might take a a fair bit of, um, to do with the, the how much rugby is going to be played on um, yeah. Sunday. But um, yeah, I think for us, um, we need to to take confidence from that that win. Uh, look at what we we were successful at that day. I know I know they'll they'll probably take that defeat and, and look at the red card in the first half and say that's got a lot to do with it. But um, to be fair, we were looking to this morning that how we won that game and, and what we done and. and yeah, no, like I say, Gregor's really good at the small little details that help you um, piece everything together, uh, especially as a 10. Obviously, him being a 10 in the past and uh, collectively as a group, we've got a really good coaching team. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, I think Scotland will put in a good show, um, whoever goes out there and, and takes the field Sunday. But, yeah, it's, um, it's really exciting that, like you say, we've got potentially... Uh, a semi-final to, to potentially a final uh, uh, well in a couple of weeks time if, if Fiji don't recover from the, the positive cases Yeah well I think listen mate I think everyone down here in Worcester is backing you massively I know there's been a huge amount of pride within the camp um, every time Solly lets us know what the crack is um, every time you're you're playing you and Koba in the Scotland camp in particular and then obviously with Ted and Ollie in the England camp but we're massively backing you um, I'm selection permitting hopefully you go out and put a, an amazing performance in and um, I just want to say a massive thank you for jumping on with us today and having a chat. It's been very insightful, a lot of resilience, a lot of um, opportunities taken, lessons learned. And um, I think you're one of the good guys that we're glad to see getting what he what he deserves and what he puts into it. Cheers, no, appreciate it. Um, all the best come Saturday. I know it'll be an emotional day with the tribute to Cecil, obviously, before the game. And, and um, yeah, no, it's, it's one that I'm sadly going to be missing, but... Uh, I'll be following it closely and, and uh, yeah, no, wish the boys all the best. 
Legend, well, we're going to attach all relevant information um, that Donkey has out in terms of the, the hairdo and the icorn sponsorship. So all the information will be here and please donate. It's going to an amazing cause and it is massively appreciated. So cheers and thank you for listening to episode one of Wind Your Neckin'.